I'm gonna take one, baby. All right, guys, we are back with part two of this discussion. Um, real quickly, again, if you have little ears, we are going to talk about some tough topics, some tough uh, words that we may say. So you may want to pause it real quick um, and listen to it before you let them listen with you. Two, I have Hillary Denny, Richard Reeves, Artez Henderson, and Sir Gregory Thornton, and myself, Adriana Steele here on the podcast um, if you didn't listen to part one I, I really really encourage you to go ahead and listen to that one there's a lot of theological framework and just sharing of our perspectives um, that color this this discussion so I encourage you to go ahead and listen to that all right now we are gonna switch gears a little bit we're gonna talk about how theology can inform our advocacy all right so I feel like we live in America. Um, we can't really talk about this without addressing pro-life versus pro-choice because that's just where we are. So how do we hold some of the inconsistencies that we see in the pro-life movement? Um, I think I really don't want to rehash just stuff that we said um, last week on that podcast episode. Um, <laughs> um, but like we even kind of got to like just the just the inconsistencies of man like like these babies like we care so much about them mm-hmm. we love them we got to protect the babies but then it's like they born and it was like all right <laughs> you're on your own mm-hmm. you know and, and then it's like when when people do come up and cry out to help um the widows and the orphans it's mm-hmm. it's always met with some type of resistance or some type of rhetoric that's usually like uh, I, I worked hard you know they mm-hmm. they should work hard and it's like it's like whoa it's you care so much about and we say it from the womb to the tomb it's the, it's the language that keeps being used but it's and you said pro birth last week and it's mm-hmm. like okay now that these children are born it's it's a lack of love and in some cases oppression but I even want to speak to, to the people who feel like I have done nothing wrong to, to, to individually oppress anyone mm-hmm. there's still a lack of biblical love and concern that you have for those who, who, are, who are not in a position that you're in so that's an inconsistency that I um, see and speak to yeah, I think that is that is something that I kind of thought of when, um, I guess that summer of the pandemic when, um, you know, we had George Floyd and all these other people. And it's just like, I guess there was so much dignity for George, George Floyd before he was out of the womb. But like after he was out of the womb as a tall black man, there was no dignity for him. Um, and so I think it's Perfect like case. if... <laughs> If we are truly saying that like this life has dignity and value, it shouldn't matter what they look like. Um, it shouldn't matter even whatever their offense you think it may be. Like I don't think that uh, a police officer should be on his neck for over eight minutes, you know. Yeah. And I saw the same people saying pro-life, pro-life. Yeah. Well, he was this, and he had a rap sheet, and just all this other stuff, and it's just like. I want any movement <laughs> to just keep the same energy. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> for lack of a better term, 
like keep that same energy from when they are in the womb to when they come out keep the same energy so if they're in cages at the border if a life has dignity I don't care that they're over here illegally that child should not be in a cage like so yeah um I think that's one thing that, uh, especially as a white uh, conservative, that I need to be called out on. Um, like you said, like we, the dignity of human life, I think that often my mindset has been, well, the, the, pr- the unborn baby doesn't deserve um, abortion, mm-hmm. but once they get a little older, I can... I'm confessing right now my sin. I quickly revert to this person probably deserved it for some reason. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's one thing that the white church needs to be called out on, that uh, no one is deserving of of death, of being treated in a certain way. Um, We're all image bearers, no matter what, you know, what we've done. And often... I don't know, Richard, because it's like the white church, we um, we say that people deserve certain things, and we're just ignorant. Like, we just don't. Yeah. I, I did not understand for a long time, I think, the different, like, generational wealth and systemic injustice. Mm-hmm. I was not taught that, and I, um, I'm ashamed that I w- did not know that. But I think that's something that the white church needs to be called out on, like the yeah. dignity of all people, and it's not on them. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. yeah I think the scriptures are clear. I think that's, you know, if you look at Romans, you know, Paul says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Um, and the reason he did that is because there, there was ethnic and racial division. Um, there was prejudice. That was the context within which Paul was speaking. It was the context from Genesis 3 on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, re- you know, prejudice, racism, systematic uh, oppression didn't begin in, you know, uh, in this country. It's been since Genesis chapter 3. Mm-hmm. And um, the, the problem with the pro-life movement or the pro-choice movement, any movement, is that it bases its righteousness on one reality. And um, the scriptures don't do that. Uh, the scriptures say all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And therefore, I think you know, the pro-life movement and the pro-choice movement uh, professing Jesus must look at that reality. How does that apply to me? How does that apply to the movement? How does that apply to my church? Um, and I think that is how we uh, balance the inconsistencies. We're inconsistent because we're not applying biblical theology. We're applying, um, you know, American politics. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and as well, how do I, how did my church become all white? How did mm-hmm. this movement become overwhelmingly predominantly white. There's history to that that dates back to sin and oppression mm-hmm. and and moves from there. And to ignore that creates this deeper divide 
um, and really the context in which we're not going to hear each other. We can't hear each other. Yeah, I think because that's that's one thing for me that's interesting. It's like the pro-life mo movement. There is that child has dignity and that child is alive. And it's like, yes. What about the mother, though? That's right. I think that's like the biggest inconsistency for me. It's just like, you know, like, OK, you're you're really, really focusing on that child. Are you giving any consideration to that poor mother? <laughs> um, are you giving any services, any help to her life um, so that child can thrive when they're out of the womb? Um, yeah, in the same vein, though, like, what inconsistencies can we hold with the pro-choice movement? Um, I think one of the big things we need to think about is, like, what makes a person a person? Yeah. Uh, we sometimes say there's this, you know, the, the body-soul distinction. Um, what makes a person a person is God created a human being. Their physical body makes them a person. And if we try and separate that, then we run into all sorts of issues. Yeah. You know, a person who may not have the same capabilities or the same capacity or um, disabilities, things like that. Mm. But when God creates a human being, he has created a person in his image. And um, this is one thing that really drives my thought on this is, uh, you know, verses like we read earlier in Psalm 139 and Galatians 115 says, when he who had set me apart before I was born. Like thinking about God sees um, this human being that he has created as a person. And that really needs to drive um, a lot of our, our thoughts on this is, is this a life? Mm -hmm. Now there are definitely, like we said, nuances and how do we um, think through that? But we need to start with God created, is, uh, not a clump of cells, but a human being, a human life. Yeah. Like some was like, oh, it's not a life at 20 weeks. And some was like, oh, no, it's, it is a life at 20 weeks. It's not a life at 36 weeks. Mm -hmm. So some say, oh, you can be able to abort if it's after 12 weeks and mm -hmm. before 20. And it's just like every individual has the, like, has the right to choose, mm -hmm. like, what's a life, like, yeah. like, what's a life. And for me, it's just like, like we like I don't have the power in myself to just say this is what I think is truth mm -hmm. you know instead like what I want us to do especially at downtown church but all believers is to say what has God spoken as truth and I think the verse that comes to mind is um Exodus um, 21 when God was um giving Israel the law and and teaching them how how to govern themselves and he said if two men get to fighting if two men are on the street fighting mm. and somehow a pregnant woman gets hit and nothing happens to the baby um, um, and the pregnant woman is okay, um, the man who who struck her is is free to go or or he has to pay a fine to the husband of of whatever the husband say. But if the baby is is hurt or or um, doesn't survive. Um, the Bible says life for life, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, burn for burn. Mm -hmm. And so it's just amazing to see that, um, you know, when people say the Bible doesn't speak to abortion, but the Bible does speak to is a baby, a, um, um, life, um, 
does a baby have life in the womb? Mm -hmm. And I think the evidence is, is clear that that we as people don't get to decide, you know, um, you know, when does it become a life? You know yeah. what I'm saying? And it's okay. <laughs> And it's kind of like just another inconsistency that I think that we as people, it's so easy for us to like just disconnect certain realities. And when we talk about abortion, it's like, oh, it's not a life, so you can go do it. But on the other side, if, if we talk about a miscarriage, we grieve that miscarriage yeah. right. because right. we lost something real. Mm -hmm. You know, like yeah. we, we didn't lose... We, we, we're grieving something that we never held or saw, mm -hmm. but it's real because yeah. we lost, you know what I'm saying, something real. So um, those are just some, some inconsistencies that I see is even with that outside as well. That's so, good. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, I think in the same vein, um, the AND campaign, it's like AND, A-N-D campaign, does a great job of like putting this out. But like in the same way the pro-life movement forgets about the mother, I think sometimes a pro-choice movement forgets about the child, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. yes, mm. I want to love and care for that mother. Right. I also want to mm -hmm. love and care for that child. Right. Mm -hmm. And it makes it so hard to say that, I think, as a Christian. For me, as a Christian mm -hmm. black woman, I almost feel like I'm betraying my people mm -hmm. <laughs> in a way yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, to say, well, that's a life. And like you said, we mourn a loss of a life if it's a miscarriage. And... Um, I think one thing Richard said in our pre-conversations, he was just like, you know, well, the gospel gives us a third way. And so it's like, I, if I say that I care about the life of that child, I'm not necessarily saying I align with everything that Republic, Republicans stand for. I mean, I think y'all know, I clearly don't. Mm -hmm. But um, love my brothers and sisters who are Republicans. I love y'all too, <laughs> okay. But like, I can say that that, that child in there is a life and has dignity and I want to care for that child and I want to care for that mother um, okay so another question I think that's worth talking about because we are in the church we are a church um, I think a struggle people have when it comes to talking about abortion is just the way teen mothers are treated in the black and the white church from what I can see um, so how do we hold that? How can we be different? Um, how should the church be embracing teen mothers or unwed mothers even? <laughs> There's shame yeah. on that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I just think about, if I can use a churchy word, discipleship. Well, it's Jesus' <laughs> word, but yeah, I get what I'm saying. Um, it's a very, I mean, it's a couple steps back. Like, there are so many topics, like we even said in our previous conversation last week, that can be taboo in the mm -hmm. church. Mm -hmm. And so if we're not addressing certain topics like sexuality, uh, you know, we got young, young ladies and young men going through puberty and there's changes in their bodies, hormones, um, they're desiring to, you know, uh, sexual uh, fulfillment, the way God created them, but it's, it's, it's good in its right context. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like that's a conversation worth having. Why are we so afraid to talk about it? Mm -hmm. Now, I get it, you know, there's levels to it to progressively, uh, you know, break out small pieces for the person that can chew and meet them where they are. 
but that's a conversation to, to talk about within itself, but also an environment of grace, mm-hmm. you know, to think that even to Richard, Richard and Rachel are very uh, transparent about their story, um, getting pregnant out of wedlock, but also not feeling a, a grace-filled environment. Now there are there are consequences for our sins, so we don't want to we don't want to hide behind that. Not right. bring it back on me, take it off Richard and Rachel. But there are consequences uh, for my sin. However, there is a responsibility of the church in view of God's mercies, the grace that we have received mm-hmm. that was unmerited, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that he lavished us with his grace. Yeah. And so what does that look like for us, church? What are some things that we definitely need to repent of so that our little sisters who probably find themselves in an unfortunate situation, that it was probably their decision or it was probably at the expense of someone else's selfish decision. How are we creating an environment of grace that they can feel comfortable enough? Maybe it's at home. Maybe it's a, a, a women's, uh, a woman's leader. Um, maybe there's an elder or even a pastor um, as myself. And so I don't got a, I don't got 10, you know, practical steps, but that's just something that, that comes to mind as we think about how are we treating teen moms who the church, it should be a place like this is my family. Right. Not my family has, has 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 shunned me and made me feel shameful somewhere. So I gotta go outside the family and go and go get uh, a sense of validation or a sense of uh, refuge right. uh, someplace else. And so I, I really do think we probably we definitely need to do a better job of not only discipleship, creating an environment of grace, so that these young women can have what they need. Uh, if this if this is the, the the situation they find themselves in, right? Yeah, I think it's a holistic approach, and that's why we're having the talks that we're having right now. Is what is the church's role in uh, providing a biblical world life view about sex and your bodies mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. forth, starting with children and moving forward? That's something I've never seen in any church, and mm-hmm. we are looking at how to do that. Um, because, you know, I didn't have any sex education, you know, <laughs> nothing in my church or home, um, you know, and so I want, and the Bible talks about sex more than money. So, wow. uh, you know, it's, so we've got to, or maybe it's money more than sex, but the Bible talks a lot about sex. There we go. Somebody's going to correct me. There's my email right there. Uh, So the reality, though, is that we have to do a better job at educating in the context of grace. Um, But two, we do need to be um, ready, willing, able to support um, girls, women who are pregnant out of wedlock, and uh, and I have been part of that, and I've seen that even in our own church. But um, that needs to be there needs to be uh, real restoration mm-hmm. and real support and real walking alongside um, because that's pro life. <laughs> I mean, it just is. Yeah, and I'm, I'm going to add this question. It should have been on there. Um, but how do we also help teen fathers? Because I think That's right. one inconsistency I saw 
which I, oh, I hated was like, you know, the young lady was pregnant, so she would get sat down. Let's right. say that the young man is a musician or something like that. Right. He would get sit down just for a little bit, and then he'd be back playing. And, you know, the young lady is the one that's carrying the visible that's right. uh, evidence, I guess, of yeah. their sin. Um, and kind of that young lady being shamed more, you know, and, and the young man just, yeah. I, and I, we, we got to, it's both, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's both. I mean, I just think about um, being countercultural. Mm-hmm. I think just speaking for myself, like my childhood, I don't think I had a countercultural definition or view of what a ungodly man, you know what I'm saying, is. Mm-hmm. I think um, I always kind of heard like the old cliche, being a man is the bedroom, the ball field, and the billfold. Like, you know, wow. like, like got to have the money. The three, and never heard <laughs> three that. Bees. Either, man. I, I, I never heard it before. No. Well, I, I made it up. I heard it from somebody. <laughs> I'm going to take credit for it. Um, but, you know, like, you know, you got to have the ladies. You got to be a ladies, man. You got to, uh, you know, um, be the man that everybody look to and admire, you know, in the world. And you got to have money like this. That's crazy. This manhood. And I think. Yeah, that's in the Bible, right? <laughs> right. Man, that's I'm, horrible. But like, but, like, even so, as a young teenager, um, growing up without a man in my house because, you know, the death of my father, I'm on this quest, on this search for mm. for manhood. That's right. And every every influence um, that, every power that is influencing me is influencing me to to go to church, be a good church boy, but still, you know, be this person in the world. Mm-hmm. And I say countercultural discipleship because it's it's t- even teaching our young boys a holistic view of sex. That's yeah. right. Um, it's teaching, um, you know, hey, um, like just just practically speaking, like you know, like your like your body is joining, you know, what I'm saying, like with another person. Um, when you do, if if you do get married, there are still consequences that your actions now are of going to affect your marriage, but also not just speaking fear into, you know, people, no. but but speaking the beauty and the joy of it. Um, and, and even, I think, calling our young men up to, to responsibility and yeah. walking um, alongside, you know what I'm saying, them. And um, I don't want to use the word shame, but it is, it is a more shameful thing for teenage girl to get pregnant than it is for a teenage boy and I don't want to use the word shame it's like that shame need to be on the boy too right <laughs> but there is a sense of I think like man accountability weight responsibility right. um mm-hmm. um seeing and feeling the weight of your actions is yeah. a real thing so I know I just had a, a lot of nothing but I hope that bless you that good yeah I would agree there there has to be There has to be uh, accountability, if I could just use that word, um, in every area. Because if we just allow our boys, our young men, to grow up in a situation, an environment, that we're not enforcing accountability for their actions, 
then Adriana, to your point, you know, someone who's in a position in the church and, and this happens, and you said, you know, they just sit down for a season and then they just back in whatever, uh, that's an issue, yeah. right? Because I yeah. feel like there has been a pattern of people just excusing uh, certain behaviors. Um, but to the men, the young men who do find themselves in a, in a situation that, you know, they got their girlfriend or whatever uh, pregnant, I think also for the men to be ready to come alongside of him yeah. to provide yeah. counseling, yeah. Um, to provide necessary resources. You know, how can they get care for their kids? You know, it's not that we're we're glorifying. Oh, so you condone this? No, we can. We don't condone it. They chose to to keep that that life. They didn't mm -hmm. choose to you know uh, abort that baby. And so therefore, there's a there's a very beautiful responsibility that the church can come alongside of that couple and to nurture them. They're still they're still hope. They're not damaged goods. Their life isn't isn't over as we talked about last week as well. So I I have a passion uh, for fatherhood and I really do want to see, you know, my boys uh, embrace responsibility. Right. But also on the other hand, respect boundaries. Right. Understand that everything has its time. You know, yeah. uh, sex has its time. Right. Sex is just bigger than intercourse. That's right. You know, let's talk about the heart. Let's talk yeah. about the mental. You know, we just yeah. talk about, you know, uh, it's been said even for me growing up, don't bring a baby home. So I'm like, okay, everything else is fair game as mm -hmm. long as I, I don't bring a baby home. Right. But that was still very toxic to my my maturation, my understanding of, uh, of, of physical intimacy, right. by which I'm still experiencing some of those difficulties and consequences now, almost right. nine years of, of, of marriage. Right. And so what did that look like for us to, to be able to cultivate and nurture a healthy environment before they even become adults? Mm -hmm. And right. so that, that generational shift is, there's a pivot in that, um, but the aim is, is God. God, you show me how you want me to do this. You show me how I should approach uh, my, my, my sexuality, but also how I'm supposed to engage with someone else but all to say uh, for the young men who do find themselves um, wrestling with that question, should I or shouldn't I? I, I hope there, there's a man that has been walking in integrity um, that's in his life that he can go to and that man will love that man, love the young man, and will be faithful to both grace and truth, as Jesus said. Right. Um, and so... That's, that's the yeah, word I think I the message, you know, that, and we do, there's so much education, but, you know, if you're not ready to be a father, you don't need to be having sex. I mean, that's just reality. And, you know, I look at it, it's good on my end, you know, many years later uh, to say, oh, well, Richard and Rachel made it. Yeah, but I worked. <laughs> I worked nights at FedEx and went to school full time, and I had about three different jobs. I don't think I slept for three years, uh, and it was hard. I mean, hard, isolating and hard. Watching all my friends, you know, in their fraternities, and you know, um, so you know. But I took on that responsibility, and by God's grace, I mean, got through. But I, but. We were seeing the same inconsistencies. Um, you know, Christian school kicks out girls that get pregnant. Uh, yeah, let me say that again. Christian schools kick out girls that get pregnant, um, which is 
horrendous. And yet, I don't think those boys do. And um, that's um, you know, it's it's pretty sad. Uh, so anyway, I don't know if we're still, but anyway, <laughs> that really makes me angry. Though. I know. Like, I know. Jesus. I know. And it should. And it should. I think I think Jesus might turn over some tables. Right. Uh, right. That's anyway. crazy. Yeah, so this is, you know, we're about to talk about theology and our words, but with everything we're saying, I think as Christians, we have to be aware of the way we talk about abortion, um, because we don't know where people are when they come into our doors. This can be members or non-members. We don't know where people are. Um, And so how can we come alongside people who find themselves considering abortion? This is one of the last things I'm going to talk about with advocacy. Um, because I, I've seen my picture of some Christian, you know, people are them with picket signs, like, screaming at women headed to the abortion clinic. Yeah. And personally, I do not think that's going to change the young lady's mind or open up her heart to God. Yeah. And I just, that kind of breaks my heart when I see those things. So... What would you got like? How can we come alongside these people that are considering an abortion? How can we be a safe space right. for them to even share that they're considering abortion? Man, there's so many answers to that question. Um, you know, I think number one, just having a desire motivated by grace, seeing that God does not treat us as our sins deserve, mm-hmm. like every second, every breath of every day. Um, but I think practically coming alongside women and there really are pro-life resources you know there are agencies that will pay for the birth of a child there are there are agencies out there that will give you real options you know in contrast to the abortion and so I think making um, girls women aware of that uh, but I think, too, inviting them into a church community and saying, we can be your family. We mm-hmm. can walk with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's, I think those two things um, are just very practical. Um, I think celebrating uh, life, yeah. like the fact that... Yeah. Um, Good. It was maybe a mistake. Um, maybe it was your mistake. Maybe it was someone else's. But this is a life, and we celebrate that, um, that this is not just a consequence, but a life made in God's image. And how do we celebrate that for maybe young women who um, are not married, teen moms, um, even, you know, women who may be married and, you know, it's not convenient. Well, this is a life. Let's celebrate uh, yeah. what God has. I mean, God is the one who gave you this life, no yeah. matter what. Yeah. This, yeah. yeah. That's good. To your point, Hillary, and your point, Richard, the church is the community. Let's celebrate life. But I think about, so I have a wife and three kids, and I've been there for all my kids' birth. But also been there the whole time my wife was carrying all them kids too. So I know that's a difficult 
journey, mm. um, even with support, you know, even with a husband and, you know, they have, you know, income, but that's not always the case for other people as well. So even for the church, it's like, okay, let's think about, let's say this young lady, this, this one, this young lady wants to keep the baby, but there's a whole nother nine months ahead of this young lady, mm -hmm. different trimesters, the morning sickness, mm -hmm. getting to school and, you know, just different, you know, you may not have the support. So really thinking uh, practically, what meals do you need? Mm -hmm. Do you need uh, rides to your, your, uh, your OB, you know, yeah. appointments and things yeah. of that nature? Um, let's be stocking up some, some diapers, you know, mm -hmm. what about the, 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 the uh, father, is he around? Like, how can we really wrap our arms around him? Mm -hmm. Now, if I was to be transparent, I'm not speaking from personal experience as if I did walk with, you know, uh, I was part of a church and I walked with a young lady, but those are some things that my mindset has been shifting, thinking about that journey, okay, that lady, that young woman, she decided to keep it, but that's a long road ahead, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And even thinking about if it wasn't her necessarily decision, that's a lot of guilt that comes up. You know, okay. it's like there's this kind of bittersweet, sweet, you see life, you see the baby born, you know, you see the ultrasounds and things of that nature. But sometimes the bitter part is like, it's connected to that person that probably, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. abused her mm -hmm. or, or things like that. So really to your point, Richard, thinking about the agencies that can really help and um, how do we support the young lady to get the support that she needs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we've got, you know, Danita Calhoun, who's the director of um, Young Lives, which um, in, in Memphis, which um, reaches out, ministers to, and becomes family for um, high school pregnant moms, teens. Um, it's a beautiful, you know, way for us to be involved and a beautiful way, you know, to really minister to those young girls. And they also reach out to the fathers um, and do training. And um, so there's more going on. There's a lot going on that, you know, that, you know, a girl, a woman doesn't have to be alone. Yeah. Um, I, in doing some research and stuff, one thing I think we need to do is advocate for a better maternity leave in our country, to be perfectly honest. Um, I, only <clears throat> eight states have mandatory paid maternity leave. Wow. It's um, crazy. The FMLA, the Medical Leave Act, Family Medical Leave, requires employers to give 12 weeks unpaid time off. And that's only if they have 50 or more employers um, and the person's been working there for 12 months. Like, y'all, this person just grew a human being <laughs> and birthed a human being um, and is keeping the human being alive. Like, yeah. I think as Christians, we need to be advocating for uh, better conditions for our moms. Mm -hmm. And there's so many other countries that do do better. And I think the church needs to step up and... Um, if women are choosing to work, we need to step up for them. Mm -hmm. If women need to work to support their families, we need to step up for them and provide the support. And we yeah. need to advocate for better policies because, yeah, you just yeah. birthed the human being and are literally keeping them alive. Like, yeah. It's, yeah, that's ridiculous to me. I cannot believe it's just, yeah. I throw in daycare with that. <laughs> oh, how expensive it is because we don't have... I mean, we've lived in other countries to where I'm just, like, kind of shocked how America, like... 
does not take care of our people. And that's like, I know that's a whole nother political thing, but we've got to take care of people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. When we talk about advocacy, like I think we, we definitely have made it clear. We're not trying to, you know, advocate for either party or anything like that, but there are some issues. I feel Mm -hmm. like as a church that we are called to like, biblically, we're supposed to be caring for the orphans and the widows and the poor. And I think I wouldn't have been so nervous when I heard about this news if it wasn't because I knew that there are not enough resources for people who are poor. And we have people that are still making policies that are turning in a blind eye to institutional racism. And so, yeah, like, I I think if we're going to be, I think the church, if we're going to be pro-life, like, let's take the pro-life out of all of the political parties and all the propaganda and rhetoric and all that kind of stuff, what does it really mean to be pro-life is like the whole life, right? Uh, <laughs> so let's right. really, really advocate for people's dignity, um, ch- unborn and born. Let, let's really advocate and be pro-life the way Jesus was pro-life right. um, with love and grace. Um, okay, so we've talked about a lot of things. We've talked about... Um, just like creation, the fall, redemption, how we kind of have a theological framework of why we even have to talk about abortion is because of the fall. We've talked about how God's grace and love and forgiveness should shape the way we treat people. Um, What does it look like for us as Christians? Because I think we all, we all, you know, really hold a lot of value in life and dignity. Um, I'm sure we, we've talked about some inconsistencies that make us frustrated when it comes to the world. How can we engage in these discussions without losing our witness? Because I think that's another thing that we all talked about was just like the worst place to go is social media after one of these decisions <laughs> happened. But um, I think we've all talked about being kind of disappointed with the way people were talking about it and shaming other people and just... How do we make sure we're talking about these discussions and still uh, demonstrating a Christ-like, I guess, language and speech? Yeah. So the book of James is what, like, the like the practical book of like how Christians should live, and I really appreciate just his simple words: um, um, "Be slow to speak." Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we. When we think about it, we really get in so much trouble when we're quick to speak. Like yeah. when we just share our first heartfelt, you know, gut feeling, mm-hmm. and we feel so strongly about it. And so I think, man, just words of wisdom is really to, man, be slow to speak, feel what you feel, process what you. Um, but but even even if you're face to face with with someone who who goes against everything that, that you believe in. Um, I truly believe um, 1 Corinthians 16, um, verse 13, Paul writes to the church and says, like, be strong, be courageous, stand firm in faith, do everything in love. Yeah. And I just think about the Christian, how we are to be so crafty um, in, in standing firm in faith, like, and, and standing firm in what is truth. The truth, I believe, is that this life is a life. Mm-hmm. Like, I really want to stand firm in that. But as I'm engaging in conversation with someone who differs from me, I still want to have the base level of grace, humility, um, gentleness, kindness, um, fruits of the spirit that I'm, not, that I'm not to throw away just because someone 
disagrees with me, yeah. you know. Um, I think along with that, like you talk about humility, realizing I have a lot to learn. Um, there are things that I do hold firm, like that this is a life. And I think that scripture clearly teaches that. I think that science clearly teaches that. But I do have a lot to learn from people uh, about different situations, like um, how your race and ethnicity may affect your maternal care. I have a lot to learn from people um, about different situations, about what they are going through, and coming in with that humility as well, I think. Yeah, I think too, um, I mean, if you look at the Ephesians 4 passage, it is really talking about how the church is to be building each other up um, in Christ and and be moving toward unity as the body of Christ. And then Paul says, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every aspect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. And so I think um, just what we learned today, I think this discussion will be very helpful to a lot of people because this discussion doesn't typically happen. Mm-hmm. We, have a, we have diverse backgrounds. We're coming from different perspectives um, and different experiences, and yet there's unity in our core belief of the sanctity of life, and yet because of our experiences, um, we are considering <laughs> each other. And so I think that, um, you know, if we come listening and not just preaching, Mm -hmm. uh, seeing ourselves as sinners um, saved by grace, um, not politicians pushing an agenda, then uh, I think our witness will be um, preserved. Yeah. Yeah. When I think about how passionate we can be about this issue. The creator of life is way more passionate than you, you can ever be. Amen. He's way more concerned with this Amen. than we can ever be concerned. So what I guess what I'm trying to say is stand firm in you know, the truth, hold fast to the scriptures. But at the end of the day, it's God who's going to change hearts. Like, yeah. we're not heart changers. Right. Um, you know, John was saying, hey, I'm bearing witness, but the one who's to come, he's coming behind me. Yes. So we got to know our position that, no, we're not, we stand on the authority, but we're not, we're not the authority. Um, yeah. It's the Lord himself, but it's the Lord himself. When we put it in his, in his hands, he can, he can, he pierces the heart with his truth, mm-hmm. but he's also tender in a way sometimes that we just ain't got it in us to be tender, to really win, yeah. win hearts and win souls and draw people to himself. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's all. Oh. And the practical piece of wisdom is just even thinking about social media. Oh, man. <laughs> like, Get off. Stay away. <laughs> Shut like, down. Hey, I forget um, when, when George Floyd just something happened it was just something to do with race and I got on Facebook Mm. and I was filled with rage 
just reading people's like just reading my timeline and I mm. was like writing stuff and I was um, you know like okay I ain't gonna send that and I get mad again and uh, somehow I talked to Richard and Richard was like get off like just get <laughs> off Facebook <laughs> and my heart was really like I'm a pastor I don't care if I'm a pastor they can fire me you know, <laughs> and, and, and but like just a practical piece about like social media that I realized is that people don't talk to each other on social no, media no, to no. listen no. they talk to no. defend their point mm-hmm. so no matter how sensible and logical you're trying to be with your point the other person is is just looking to defend their you know and so it's just like right. that's not the heart of the conversation that I really want to have this this mm-hmm. you know um, so just practical piece of wisdom um, I, I'm not the old man saying social media is bad or stay off social media but I, I am <laughs> saying I think words of wisdom yeah. This ain't the best place to do it. No, it is not. <laughs> uh-huh. the, no. It's not. No. Yeah. I think I would just encourage, because like I said, it, it feels so, uh, there's tension from me as a black woman saying mm. what I'm saying. Yeah. And so I think I would just encourage all of us, and I think this this uh, applies to people that aren't, you know, a black woman, but just not to get caught up in the wisdom of man, mm-hmm. like not to get caught up in what this party is saying, you know. Because, um, I mean, it, they're successful because they're very convincing, you know. <laughs> they have teams of people who craft these speeches and everything like that. But to really, really be informed by the word of God, even in uncomfortable conversations, mm-hmm. even if you may, I mean, sometimes you do have to betray um, the wisdom of man and sometimes you will look foolish <laughs> um, right, right. when you are heeding the wisdom of God but you know the fear of, of God that's that's the beginning of all wisdom so just you know it, feel the tension but really really rely on the scripture um, the Holy Spirit how he's dealing with your heart um, and it is possible it's so possible to, to value the life of the child and the mother It is so possible. Jesus showed us that. Um, And so don't be, you know, um, forced into this false dichotomy that if you believe in, you know, or you advocate for the mother that you're one thing, or if you advocate for the child, that's not a decision that Jesus would make. Right. Right. He would not try to (laughs) distinguish that because all life is beautiful to him. So let's just, you know, remember that. All right, so we there are a couple things we didn't get to, and I know if if you're anything like me, you have some what if questions. So we're actually going to do another part. We're probably going to have some um, some of our members step in, but we are going to talk about some other parts like rape, incest, um, women that are being abused that get pregnant, mm-hmm. um, the way race plays into this topic, and even the medically necessary things that need to happen so please continue to stick with us if any of this made you sweat um it made us sweat too okay so just continue to engage in these discussions with us feel free to talk to us after this and more importantly though if you have um any shame or guilt or frustrations with this topic we have um resources available to you okay So if you are a woman and you need to talk more about this, um, please, please, please email Hillary, 
hillary at downtownchurch.com we have women in our church that are ready to walk with you in the gray and you know looking at some of the women in our church you don't know what they've been through okay so please don't be don't feel shameful okay there are people that are ready to walk with you in this in the same way if you're a man and you need to talk about this please email sir gregory uh just sir gregory at downtownchurch.com again there are people that can walk with you do not feel like you're alone if you've had an abortion if you haven't if you're considering whatever it is please do not feel the shame that the devil is probably trying to put on you okay there is no condemnation for those that are in christ jesus so please 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 come to us all right y'all and join us next week because it's just getting getting hotter love (laughs) y'all peace